Turn with me, please, to a couple of openings in the Scripture in Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, and also 1 Peter 1. Let's believe for utterance. Believe some folks are going to get answers, get free, get help, get some direction. Come on up, come on out for the Lord. Nehemiah 8, and then I believe we're going to 1 Peter 1. For a few weeks now, we've been on a uh, topic we're calling the joy of faith. You know, when you just say joy right, it helps you out. If you say, I don't have any joy, because you're not saying it right. How in the world could you say the joy of the Lord? It's the joy of the Lord. (laughs) It's like a lot of things. You do it right, it works. Nehemiah 8 and 9, the people had been away from God, and through the leadership, they're now coming back to God, and they've spent all day now reading the Word of God, and then the ministers teaching the people. And uh, it said, middle of the verse here, they said, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. Many times people need to hear, quit it. Quit grieving. Quit crying. Stop mourning. Oftentimes what you would hear in response, even from good saved people, is, I can't help it. And if you believe that lie, you're in a bad place. It's only going to get worse and worse and worse because the truth is the Lord told us not to do it. Well, are we going to tell him we can't help it? He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Rejoice in the Lord all the time. And again, I say, Rejoice. Let his praise continually be in your mouth. Are we going to tell him we just can't do it? We can't help it? It wouldn't be true. The people were crying. The people were mourning. Verse 10, he said, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sit out loud. Don't be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is strength. Joy of the Lord. Now we're not talking about what some people call happy that's a fleshy cackling over something that doesn't matter. We're talking about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord will quicken you on the inside and in your mind and your emotions and in your body. The joy of the Lord literally makes you strong. Well, why did he say don't be sorry? Because like we've already seen in Corinthians, 
the sorrow of the world works death. Romans says a similar thing in chapter 8. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace, which is a companion of joy. Joy and peace go together. I said joy and peace go together. Go to Romans 8. Now I'll remind you of an example of just that. Romans 8. Anybody got any verses marked over in Romans 8? Whew. You talk about some good things. In Romans 8, toward the end of the chapter here, he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about two different verses. Verse 24 here, saved by hope, but then actually I want you to go over to the, uh, the 15th chapter of Romans and the 13th verse. I was putting them together and they do go together. But let's just for time's sake look at this one. Because if I get to preaching on that one, it could take some while to get from chapter 8 to chapter 15. <laughs> it said, now the God of hope, which is joyous expectation, the God of hope fill you with what? All joy and peace. What? In Believing, if you're in believing or in faith, you are going to have joy and you are going to have peace. If you don't, me or you, we're not in believing. And I know this is a simple statement, but a lot of folks don't believe it. There's no such thing as being depressed and defeated over something and being in faith about it. I said, there's no such thing as being defeated and depressed over something. Well, if you're that way, you got no joy. And you're upset and bothered about it, you got no peace. That reveals you are not believing. You're not in faith. And that's a big problem. Because faith is how we overcome. Faith is the victory. It's not nice to have, it's must have. It's not optional if we're going to win, if we're going to get our needs met, if we're going to please God. The God of hope, do what? Fill you with what? All joy, and you could see all peace, all joy, all peace in believing. What's the result? That you may abound in hope. That's expectation. I mean, hardly a day goes by that I don't look at Phyllis and say, what are we excited about? What are we excited about? Why would I say that? Because if I'm not excited about something, I'm not in faith. I'm not believing for anything. I'm coasting. And that's not good because life is short. We'll soon be over. And... If you're bored, it's because you're not listening. If you're bored, life is dull and boring to you, it's because you didn't do what the Lord's already told you to do. Because if you had, it'd be taking all the faith you had, and it'd be exciting. And then once you got that, there'd be something else. 
And then there'd be something else. There'd be something else. (laughs) Well, we're having fun tonight. But if you're in believing and you're you're expecting, which is what the Bible means by hope, if you're expecting something great and good and wonderful, you're not going to be depressed about that. You're not going to be defeated about that. You're going to have joy. And you're going to have peace that this thing's going to work. We're going to get everything we need. We're going over. Is that right? And faith is is that you have this joy and this peace when you don't see any way it could happen. And yet you still are excited. Then you're acting like your father in the faith, Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. There was no hope in the natural that he and Sarah are going to have a child. But he considered not his own body, now dead when he's almost 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was fully persuaded, giving glory to God that what he had promised he was able to perform. Hallelujah. When you have faith, you're excited when there's no reason in the natural to be excited. You're giving thanks and you got peace about being healed and living long when there's no reason in the report for you to think that or say that. A lot of people are, you know, in limbo waiting on the good doctor's report. Y'all just believe with me that this report will come back good. There's no faith in that. You say, what? Yeah. You already got a report. (laughs) By his stripes. You were healed. If you're not going to believe you're healed until some professional tells you that you are and you feel and look that way, then you have no faith at all. That's walking by sight. Any unbeliever can do that. But when you say, I'm healed, none of these things move me. With long life, he'll satisfy me. He'll show me his salvation. I'm not leaving till the Lord gets good and ready for me to leave. I'm healed. If you say that and you believe it, you get joy. And people that don't understand it will look at you and go, well, what are you so excited about? I thought they told you you had three days to live. Yeah, but I got another opinion. I I got another report. Yeah, and it was a good one. And it comes from the highest authority. So I'm going with that. I'm going with that. Besides that, if you had three days to live, why waste it being depressed? And if you're a believer and you're leaving in three days, where are you going? Where are you going? Who are you going to see? Why be depressed? Why be upset? What benefit is it in being depressed? Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> what did he say? The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may what? Abound in confident expectation, excited expectation, hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Does that sound like weakness? Or strength. strength. And what's involved? Joy. Amen. 
and peace. Said another time, the joy of the Lord, the of the Lord is, is my, my strength. He said, don't be sorry. Don't sorrow like the world who has no hope. Why? Because what joy will do for you, worldly sorrow will do the opposite against you. There's life in joy. There's death in worldly sorrow and grief. It is. There's been cases of people who had nothing wrong with them physically and just went and sat down and laid down and sorrowed and grieved themselves to death. It's happened many, many times and many more times that people didn't realize that's what happened because it was part of something else, but it aggravated an already existing situation until the body couldn't handle it. Grieving, sorrowing, despairing, Desponding, crying, feeling sorry for yourself can literally kill you. It immediately starts weakening your immune system. It starts clouding your judgment. It, It starts working death in you. This is not a preacher's theory. I'm quoting scriptures. Is anybody listening? Yes. Come on, somebody said out loud, I refuse, I refuse to, live to live that way. I don't have to live that way. And by the grace of God, I won't. What are you going to do? I'm going to let the joy of the Lord quicken me and help me, and strengthen me. Now one of the questions that comes up, people say, well, what do I got to be joyful about? Are you saved? Are you saved? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Does God love you? Are you a part of his forever family? Tell you something else. You and I are going to be living in the same place. How about that? This is well, that didn't make me happy either. Hey, hey, hey. We have untold millions of things to rejoice about. That's why he said rejoice all the time. How could you rejoice all the time? Well, if you think right, you got so much to rejoice about that you will be nonstop. You'll think of something every hour or two and then you'll think of something else. Then the Lord will remind you something else. But if you don't want to do that, you can be grouchy. You can be miffed and hurt and bitter. You can, I don't care how good your life is, you can find something to gripe about if you want to. So whether you're full of joy or whether you're full of bitterness and defeat depends on what you or I choose to look at and choose to mind and choose to talk about. Now, I had the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s healing school and for a number of years. And I saw sickness and death close up, day in, day out, for years. Every Monday, we had a new crop of folks. Many of them, the best doctors said, there's nothing that can be done. Some should have been supposed to have been dead two weeks ago. You could feel death in the room. 
And I've seen people who were, had terrible problems in their body and were told they had days to live who were some of the nicest people you would ever want to be around. Pleasant, kind, thinking about you, asking questions about you, and yet they're basically told you're the walking dead. And I've seen people that barely had a hangnail and mean as could be and justified all of it because they had a toothache. You don't have to be mean because you have a problem. You can't tell me. I've seen it. I've seen it close up. I've seen people, they were hurting. You could tell they had all kind of problems. They felt so bad. And yet when they saw you, they'd brace up and go, how are you doing? What's going on with you? What can I do for you? And then people that hardly anything was wrong with them, but they used it as an excuse to try to get everybody to wait on them hand and foot and just be selfish and think it's okay. Why? Because I got a sore finger. Supposed to wait on me. If you go that way, it'll be very hard for you to be healed because you're actually using the sickness to manipulate other people and justify, you have made it your companion. So it's not going anywhere. You got to make up your mind. Sickness is no friend of mine. Little ones need to learn this from the time they're a few years old. You don't want your child learning if they pretend to be sick, they don't have to go to school. Are the least little thing. Now you know if they got issues. Then it's okay to have them home. And believe God with them. But if you detect they're using something. Man you want to help them right now. Because it can make the difference. In whether they even reach adulthood or not. This is serious stuff. It's life and death. You do not get buddy buddy. With a disease. What are you talking about? If you're using it as an excuse for your behavior, for you not working, for you not doing anything, then it's, you're stuck to it and it's stuck to you. You have given it place, you're using it. How'd we get over there? Is it true or not? No. You're either the sick or you're the healed. How many believe you can be the saved even though you've made mistakes and you don't look perfect, you are still the saved. And how many understand you can be the healed even though you got all kinds of symptoms and things showing, you are still the healed. Hallelujah. It's not based on what you see. It's not based on what you feel. Glory to God. The truth will make you free. Hallelujah. Go with me, please, to the book of Numbers. 
Numbers 13 and put up on the screen, you go to Numbers 13 and we'll put some other scriptures up on the screen to warm us up, get us ready for Numbers 13. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have what? Overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now this is not about what's on you. This is who is in you. And it's up to us. You can focus on what's on you or what's around you or you can focus on who, capital W, is in you. Well, I got symptoms on me. I got pain on me. I got black on me. I got this on me. That may be so, but you do not want to focus on it. You do not want to talk about it. You do not want to mind it. What's it going to do to you? Well, thinking about your problems all day, you're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your peace. Is that right? And you're going to get weaker and weaker and become hopeless and defeated. And you can perish that way. But what does it take to overcome it? Joy. Faith. And if you got faith, you're going to have joy. Your joy is going to make you strong. And so you can begin to come up, begin to come out. More faith you got, more joy you get, stronger you get. Can you see the cycle comes up instead of going down? Come on, somebody said out loud, I am of God. I am a child of God. And have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's around me or against me or anything that's in the world. We, we must not look at the things that are seen. We must not walk by sight. It takes discipline. It takes a choice because there's stuff everywhere around us to keep you depressed 24-7. If you want to look at it, if you want to talk about it, there is pain, there is evil, there is tragedy, there is lack, there is every kind of bad thing. You can cry and feel bad about something day and night. If you choose to, but if you choose to, you're being very foolish. Because you could choose to look at something else. I said you could choose to look at something else. Look not at those things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. By faith. And you can tell, it's very easy to tell if you're looking at the right thing or not. By what it's doing to you. I said by what it's doing to you. Several people already. For the few minutes that you've been in here. And the few minutes that you've been online with us. You hadn't been thinking about your problem. For a good 15 minutes. (laughs) You're just watching me yell and wave my arms. And that's good for you. It's good for you. Because I'm not here crying and talking about feel sorry for me. I'm talking about victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever. I'm talking about overcoming and greater is he that's in you. You need to hear that. I need to hear that. 
Because you don't get that from the world. Said out loud, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Go to the fifth chapter. Well, you're in number, excuse me. 1 John 5, put it on the screen, please. 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Anything born of God can whoop anything born of the devil and the world. And that anything includes you. Are you born of God? Yes. Then you can overcome anything that's not born of God. That's not from God. Because of what you're born from. You are born again, made out of the same material the creator of the universe is made of. You're going to be around forever. Just getting that helps you relax. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to be around yeah, from now on. <laughs> so you might as well get used to me, okay? Because I, I'm going to be around. How about you? Yes. Not on this earth, thank God. But past this, you just shift to a higher gear and yeah. really take off. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever's born of God does what? Does what? Overcomes the world. And how do you do it? This is the victory that overcomes the world. What? It's not automatic and it doesn't happen for everybody. You got to be born of God. That's the only way you get this faith. Unregenerate people don't have the faith of God. They can't have it. It only operates in the born again human spirit. It is the faith of God. Only a child of God can function in it. Because it was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit when you were born again. Glory to God. One of the fruit or the, what the Spirit produces in you that Galatians talks about. You remember the first three? Fruit of the Spirit? Love. Ah. Joy. Peace. I mean, that's right off. And then later on, faith. Can you see, if God is working in your spirit, this is what's going to be coming out of you. Love's going to be coming out of you. Joy is going to be coming out of you. Peace is going to be coming out of you. Faith is going to be coming out of you. Well, if griping and spewing evil and bitterness is coming out of you, that is not coming out of your born-again spirit. Now, I should say it's not coming from God. Amen. It's not coming from the Spirit who's in you. You've let this stuff get in you out of this evil world. You've looked at the wrong things too long. You've listened to the wrong things too long. You've talked the wrong things, thought about the wrong things too long. That's how you get full of something. Amen. The Lord gave me a message some years ago, what are you full of? <laughs> and we went some interesting directions with that. <laughs> What you want to be full of is what the Spirit of God produces in you. Full of love, full of joy, full of peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against these, there is no law. Glory to God. 
Verse 5, who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God, which happens to be how you get born again. (laughs) How you get born of God. Anybody in here absolutely convinced that Jesus is, hallelujah, the Son of God, and that you have received him as your Lord, and you are born of God, then you are, by nature, by what you are, you are an overcomer. God didn't create any defeated victim children. He has no defeated victim children. He has some that's acting like it, but if they find out who they are, they will immediately stop it. Come on, think about it. If you're born of God, you're made in his likeness and image and nature. When was the last defeated day God had? (laughs) When was the last hopeless day God had? Well, you are a chip off the big block. You come from the same spiritual genes and DNA. You are by nature a winner, a victor, an overcomer, a conqueror. That's who you are by nature. Birds fly, fish swim, roosters crow, and you win. You win. Somebody say, I win. That's what I do. It's what I am. I'm a winner. That's not a pep talk. It's Bible reality. That's what I am. I win in life. I win over sin. I win over disease. I win over poverty. I win over frustrations and challenges and trials. I win and win and win. And then I win some more and win. In fact, he always causes me to triumph. It's who I am. It's what I am. It's what I do. Now, surely as you say that, the devil come and say, well, how about that? That don't look like what you say. Shut up. You're not my Lord. You're nothing to me. I'm nothing to you. Shut up and get out. That really is the bulk of what you need to know about the devil. Let's practice it, everybody. Shut up and get out. That's it. If you got that, you got it. Let's do it one more time. Shut up and get out. Now, you don't tell people that. That's what you tell them. That's how you resist the devil. But what are we talking about? Shut up and get out. Shut up about what? About trying to talk to me about failures or defeats or mistakes. I'm not looking at that. And you know what? If you've repented, Guess who else is not looking at it and doesn't even see it? God. It's gone. So the devil just has a recording of something that doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) 
just as much as you are a winner, he is a loser. No one has ever lost on the scale he has lost on. He's not a loser. He's the loser. Capital L. He is. Have you read the back of the book? What happens to him? He loses everything forever. You want to get him to leave, start talking about that. He does not want to hang around because it's just true and he don't want to hear it. But it's still true. Say it out loud, I'm a winner. I'm more than a conqueror. Doesn't matter what I see or what I feel, what it looks like. I still am a winner. Here's the thing that has stumped people and tripped people up, you and me included, at different times. People think because I came short on something or I made mistakes, I lost. I'm defeated. I got defeated on that one. You're not defeated until you accept it inside. The Bible said man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the inside. In fact, a whole lot of this outside stuff, I shouldn't say a whole lot of, all of this outside stuff is temporary appearance. It's hard for us to imagine this because this is very solid and people say this is reality. This is temporal. What does temporal mean? It's something that has come and is fading. It's leaving. It's going. And God, what, what is Him is eternal. It can't fade. It doesn't change. You're made in His likeness and image. And you're not defeated because something happened to you outside. You're only defeated when you accept defeat in your heart. Until you do that, you're still a conqueror. You're still a victor. You're still a winner. Would you like to know more about this? Well, then you did find numbers, didn't you? We've been getting you ready. But you need one more verse before you're ready for numbers. Put up John 16.33, please. John 16.33. Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you that you might have what? Peace. 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 Listen carefully. These are the words of the Master. In the world you shall have tribulation. Where? In the world. In the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that is Oh, friend, we need to understand how great a barrier there can be between what's in the world and what's in me. Just because it's in your house, in your body, in your life, around you, or at work, or around your family, does not mean it has to be in you. And you and I can't control everything that happens 
around about us. And, and that's what the devil, he really, oh, he works overtime trying to get people to feel condemned because everything's not perfect around us. And if, well, if you had enough faith, everything would be perfect around you. No, you're living in a curse-filled, devil-filled, rebellious people-filled world. Things are never going to be perfect all around you. But they can be perfect inside you. You can be full of peace inside you. You can be full of joy inside you. You can be full of victory inside you every day of the week. It's a choice. I said it's a choice. Listen again. In me, Jesus said, you shall have peace. Say it out loud. I am in him and he is in me. And in him, which is in me, I have peace. Peace that passes understanding. Keeps my heart. Keeps my mind. What about in the world? Tribulation. Junk. Problems. And it's always going to be that way till the Lord starts this thing over. New heaven, new earth, no curse, no sin. Till then, you can't fix everything. Everything's not going to be fixed. We're in the world. We're not of it. We're of God. And what's in the world doesn't have to be in us. What the world's full of not supposed to be in us. We should be God inside minded. God inside focused. Victory, peace, joy inside focused. Hear people talk about going to your happy place. It's not far. <laughs> I said it's not far. It's right inside. <laughs> Go to 2 Corinthians. You're still not ready for, for numbers. we got to get you ready. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 4 3. 2 Corinthians 4 3. If our gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost. In whom the God of this world has done what? Blinded the minds of them which believed not. Unbelievers. Are not seeing the right thing. Their mind, not their eyes, their mind is blind. There's things right in front of them, they don't see it. Things that should be so obvious. I mean, when the sun comes up, you don't have to be too bright to look at that and go, wow, something's going on out there. He <laughs> said, who made that? What is happening here? But if you're an unbeliever, you look at it and go, ah, all that just happened. Where'd it come from? It just, bang, and it was. Okay, well, what caused that? We don't know, but it ain't God. (laughs) It ain't God. There is no God, no such thing as God. How could any intelligent person say that? You weren't there. How can you say that? Well, it ain't. 
There's no way you could know. Been on earth about Nat's life duration. I've been to college, got three degrees. Yeah, and what did they know? People that taught you. If they're wrong, that just gives you a degree in wrongness. <laughs> the only way an education is good is if you get good information. Just because you sat in classes and took tests and, you know, if they're wrong, then you're wrong too. Just a thought. <laughs> he said, verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined where, where, where? He's not shining this openly in the earth. He's shining it in us, and we are the light of the world. And he's doing it on purpose, because if he revealed himself any more, you couldn't doubt. It'd take it out of the realm. God could stick his face in the sky tomorrow morning and fill it from coast to coast and go, hey, I'm real. There wouldn't be an unbeliever on the planet anywhere. Somebody said, why don't he do it? He doesn't want to. Because then it takes away the possibility of faith by choice. And if somebody doesn't choose to believe in you and trust you and choose to love you, if they don't have a choice, you can't have real love or real faith. You have to have a choice. And that's what's going on for a very short season. And there's going to be a harvest of people that made the right choice. Aren't you glad? By the grace of God, you've made the right choice. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. He said God has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where did he shine? Where did he shine? In our hearts. And we have this treasure where? In earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then you see the results of it. Verse 8. We're troubled where? Where? On every side. That's not in you. That's around you. Yet inside what? Not distressed. You, you see in just a moment. He talks about this is the spirit of faith. Which is the spirit of victory. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. What does faith look and sound like? When trouble See, there's some people that don't understand faith. If this would have been in our day, they would have written back to Paul and said, Now, Paul, you're making bad confessions. Don't say you're troubled on every side. Why? If it is, it is. If there's trouble all around you, it is. Denying it is not faith. Pretending it's not there, playing ostrich, sticking your head in the sand, that's not faith. It's there, but it ain't in me. It's around me, but I'm not letting it in me. 
trouble, 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 peace. <laughs> Hurricane. I'm in the eye of the storm. And I feel no harm. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord showed me something today. Besides how blessed we were. Revelation, hold your place here. I think we'll get to numbers. If not, maybe you can come back. Revelation chapter 3 and 20. Chapter 3 and 20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why would the Lord stand at the door and knock? Is he not the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Don't he just go where he wants to go? Why would he need to stand at the door and knock? If any man will hear my voice. So he's talking too. Keith. Keith. John. Susie. Betty. Who's calling your name and knocking on the door? The Lord. If any man will hear my voice and do what? Open the door. There's no handle on the outside. It has to be opened from the inside. And it can only be opened from the inside. This is some of the best news you ever heard. Now not only Will the Lord not come in unless you let him in? That means nothing else can get in unless you let it in. There's no handle on the outside. There's no knob on the outside. God has made the human heart such that it can only be accessed by you opening it from the inside and letting who or whatever come in. Nobody can push their way in, blast their way in, knock their way in. That's why the Lord said, peace I give to you. My peace I'm giving to you. Not like the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Not only does the Lord come and knock on hearts, fear comes and knocks on the heart. Is that right? Temptation comes and knocks on the heart. Despair, depression, hopelessness, despondency, it's real. You can feel it knocking and you can hear it. It's real. Oh, but tell me the good news. Tell me the good news. Tell me the good news. It can't get in, Amen. cannot, unless, unless I open the door and let it in. The Lord never got into anybody's heart 
unless they opened the door and let him in. The enemy can't get in either. <laughs> and the way he gets in is because people don't realize this. They're opening the door and don't realize what they're doing. They're letting it in and don't realize what they're doing. If I'm depressed, how did I get that way? Come on, help me out. Say, how, did, how did I get that way? I let it in. People don't want to admit it. They want to blame it on everything and everybody. The devil will feed you. This is one of the biggest areas of spiritual conflict and warfare. He will bombard your mind that you can't help but think it, feel it, talk it. And if anybody else was in your situation, they would be just as helpless before it too. Lies. I said lies. 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 Tell me what the truth will do for you. The truth will make you free. Glory to God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him. If, if what? If you got to open it from the inside. And I'll sup with him and he with me. Look at the very next verse. Very next verse. To him that what? Over comes. But why wouldn't you overcome? You've just been having supper with the king of kings. The overcomer. You're hanging with the overcomer. You're fellowshipping with the overcomer. You live with the overcomer. The overcomer lives in your heart. Shouldn't be a surprise that you also are an overcomer. You overcome. Hallelujah. I'll grant him to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Now you're ready for numbers. Numbers 13. If you've read this, you know what was happening. God had been telling his people, I've found the perfect place for you. Cana's land, land that flows with milk and honey, the promised land. I've picked it out for you. I've given it to you. I'm taking you there. Well, when they got to the border, the Lord instructed Moses to send in a representative from each tribe to go in and spy out the land. Find, he said, go find out what, who's there, what's there, and, and be brave and take some fruit. and Take some samples and bring it back and show us what kind of land it is. They've never been there. They just heard the Lord tell them, it's a good land. And so they did. And uh, when they came back in Numbers 13, anybody remember what happened? They returned, verse 25, after 40 days. So they had plenty of time to check everything out. They showed them all the fruit of the land. Verse 27, they said, we came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. Surprise, surprise. What God said is true. And here's the fruit thereof. Here's evidence of it. And they brought the great, you know, the big giant cluster of grapes that had got so big it took two men to haul it on the on the pole. Nevertheless, but oh yeah, they got the fruit. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's God was right about that. But mm, the people we saw, they're strong. They're big. The cities are walled. Very great. We saw the children of Anak there. 
the, the children of Anak were almost uh, mythical. People had heard about them. A lot of folks maybe didn't even believe they existed. But they're giants. Not figurative. Literal. Men that were eight, nine, ten feet tall. Weighed four, five, six hundred pounds. <laughs> well, if you're five, five. <laughs> and you're coming to fight a guy that's ten foot. Eleven feet. That'd be intimidating. Their weapons were so big and heavy, an average man could barely drag them, much less handle them. And so when they said children of Anak and giants, hush went all over the, the whole congregation. They thought, Anak, Anakites? Thought they were just stories Mama told us about. The cities are walled up. The Amalekites, Amalekites too? Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites are in the mountains, Canaanites are by the sea. Trouble on every side. And Caleb stilled the people. Why do you have to steal them? Oh man, there was murmuring, there was hissing, there was exclamations. You've got to be kidding me. No way. What are we supposed to do? You could feel the trauma and the fear throughout these hundreds of thousands of people. And Caleb said, hush, hush, hush. Isn't that what the priest told him in our text? Quit it. Quit. Quit crying. Quit groaning. Quit, quit carrying on. Quit it. Quit it. Why? Because this is how you perish. This is how you go down and don't come back. Mm-hmm. Panicking, despairing, heaving and crying and yielding to desperation and feeling sorry for yourself. That's how you completely lose it mm-hmm. and get defeated. How many times did the Lord tell them, be strong, be courageous. Is that right? Yeah, right. The Lord is with you. Yeah, right. He's on your side. Well, see, at that point, you got a choice. Am I going to look at the Lord's on my side? Or am I going to look at the Anakites and the walled cities? I got a choice. Anakites, giants, all the mites and walled cities, they're all around. And what's it doing? It's knocking, it's knocking on my heart's door. It's saying, be afraid. Be very afraid. It's knocking on my door. It's calling to me. It's talking to me. Cancer. This is a death sentence. Friend, cancer in your body is not the thing to be scared of. Easy for God to heal cancer. If you had to do it, it wouldn't be hard. But you don't have to do it. The problem is cancer in your heart. In your mind. It's not having needs and bills. It's not bills on your table. It's bills in your heart. You're not defeated until it gets in you. Caleb stilled the people. And what did he say? Let's go up. Right now. Let's go get it. Let's possess it. Because we are well able to what? To overcome it. 
He's not talking about the natural. He's not looking at how big them guys are. He's not looking at the walls. He can't be. What's he looking at? God. God's with us. He's looking at God. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Can you see this? And uh, the men that went up with him, what'd they say? We, they, they, 180 degrees. He said, we are able, let's go, let's do it. They said, we are not able. And we can't do it. They are stronger than we. It's suicide. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they searched to the children of Israel, saying, the Lord through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there's giants and the sons of Anak had come of the giants. We're like in our own sight, like grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Lies. When they finally got there, you know, Rahab told them all of them were scared of them. Shaking in their boots. They didn't see them as grasshoppers. They heard what God just did to Egypt. And they were, even though they were 10 foot tall, they were scared silly. But they believed lies. The very next verse, chapter 14 and 1. All the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried. And the people wept that night. They are defeated. They are conquered. But it was not the giants that defeated them. Cancer can't defeat you. But you can defeat you. AIDS can't defeat you. Bills and financial problems cannot defeat you. But if you let the fear of it in your heart, then you're defeated. They haven't fought a fight. And they're crying like they've already lost. Come on, can you see this? They haven't even fought one battle. They haven't even tried. Now, many would say, well, if you were facing the kind of giants I'm facing, you would be too. We know that ain't true because Caleb and Joshua are not that way. And they saw exactly, didn't they? They saw exactly the same thing these other guys saw. They heard, they saw the giants, they saw the walls. Oh, come on, can you see the lie? Well, if you were in my circumstances, you'd be this way too. I'm not saying I would be superior, but if I did what I should do, I wouldn't. And you don't have to either. Well, I can't help it. Tell me, come on, what is that? That's a lie. Well, if you're in my situation, you would be too. You don't know that. The Bible said, talking in the next chapter about Caleb. Let's just read it. They saw the same thing. They heard the same things. They felt the same things. But the giants got in those guys. Come on, can you see that? The fear got in them. And the despondency and the hopelessness of getting through those walls or defeating those giants, it didn't just, it wasn't just around them. It got in their heart. How did it get in there? Come on, help me out. How did, 
When they went to their tents and cried their eyes out all night, they laid down and opened up their self and let that grief come in them. And they were done. They really were defeated and hadn't fought one battle of these people. Defeated. And these giants didn't have to do anything. But there were two other guys. I said there were two other guys. In Numbers 14 and 22, he said, all these men that have seen my glory and my miracles that I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have tempted me these ten times, they hadn't listened to my voice, surely they're not going to see the land which I swore to their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. And he said, another place, what they've been telling me all these months, if they're going to die out here in the wilderness, exactly what they said is going to happen to them. These people that say, well, it, this, you can have what you say doesn't work. It works everywhere. It works just as effectively negatively as it does positively. If you say you can't do it and you believe in your heart, what you say will come to pass. But if you're smart, you'll say something else. And you'll believe something else. He said, but... Verse 24, my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, he didn't let that fear get in him. Amen. He didn't let that defeat get in him. He's followed me fully. Him I will bring into the land whether he went, and his seed shall possess it. And this is amazing right here, but it gets even more amazing. After this, Another 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years passed while hundreds of thousands of men died out in the wilderness. But Caleb and Joshua never let defeat get in their hearts. Even though they were surrounded with men and women that were bitter and virtually cursing God for their condition that we're in and dying in defeat. We're not talking about a couple of people you knew died defeated. We're talking about hundreds of thousands all around you. But Joshua and Caleb would look at each other over the campfire at night. And they would say, you going? I'm going. Yeah, they're getting older every year. 60, 70, 80, and still people dying all around. And they'd look at each other. Now, I'm going. Are you going? I'm going. Don't quit me. I ain't quitting you. Don't quit me. <laughs> you remember that big orchard we saw? Yeah. Wasn't that great? Won't that be fine? We'll be in there in that orchard. They're sitting out in the desert. And they're talking about vineyards. And orchards yes. and wells yes. we didn't dig yes. and houses yes. we didn't build yes. and it gave them joy yes. thinking about those vineyards and houses and, and lands and that joy kept them strong yes. for 40 yes. years. Yes. I know they weren't depressed for 40 years. They'd have never made it. It was, you talk about all around them, but it never God in them they had another spirit it was the spirit of faith 
It was the spirit of joy. It was the spirit of victory. Amen. Glory to God. And it overcame it all. And I want you to hear in Joshua 14 the fulfillment of this 40 plus year journey. Joshua 14, after all the men, 603,547, no, eight, because it was 550, but I know you got to subtract two from that number, have died, 603,548 have died. In the past, that, that's just the men. The past 40 years in this dry, desolate, monotonous wilderness. And now they're all gone, like the Lord said, like they said would happen to them. Who defeated them? Who robbed them of God's promise? Wasn't the giants? It wasn't the walled cities. And uh, here they are again, back at the border, back ready to go into the land and take it this time with a new young generation, except for a few older guys, two in particular. Now he said, he told, this is Caleb telling Joshua, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just like he said, these 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, today's my birthday. I am this day, fourscore and 5 years old, fourscore and 5. 85. And yet, and yet, I am, what? I am as strong this day as I was the day Moses sent me out 45 years ago to go spy out the land and find those grapes and bring back the report. And my strength is good. I'm as good a man to fight in war, to go out to the battle and to come back in at 85 as I was 45 years ago. I'm as good a man to fight today as I was when I was 40. What happened to him? What kept him so strong? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy over what? Over what? There, there's death all around him. There's despair. There's defeat all around him. There's desolation all around him. But he never let it in. It was knocking on his door of his heart. He wouldn't let it in. They're crying. They're feeling sorry for themselves. They're dying young. They're dying middle-aged. Caleb and Joshua, every night over the fire. Maybe one day one's a little stronger than the other one. Joshua tells Caleb, Caleb, yeah, yeah, Josh, tell me again about them grapes. You remember them grapes? Best grapes I ever tasted in my life, brother. 
I'm going to have me about 10 acres of them grapes. He said, me too. Me too. He said, I'm going to come over to your house and we're going to have some grape jelly and some grape pudding and some grape juice, grape bread, yeah, fried grapes. He said, and, and, and. He said, you remember those orchards? Oh man, you remember those figs? Yeah. He said, I'm going to have me about five acres of them too. He said, me too. He said, did you see that one house over there? That thing must have been 8,000 square feet. And did you see that, that artwork and those, those trims and all that handcraft? He said, I'm going to get that house. Yeah. Caleb said, I'm, you remember that mountain? Yeah. We went up. He said, uh, he said, yeah, I do. He said, what was the name of that? He said, it don't matter because I already changed it. <laughs> that mountain is Caleb's mountain. Caleb's mountain. And when they got there, he said, you remember all that? He said, yeah. He said, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm good to go. Verse 12, verse 12, verse 12. Now, it's my birthday. I want something. Give me this mountain that we've been talking about for 45 years. Give me my mountain. We're here. I'm ready. All the unbelievers have died out finally. Thank God. And we are ready. Unbelief can hinder you. Unbelief can hinder you. But it can't stop you. Only you can stop you. He said, you heard there's Anakims in there. That's one reason I want it. I want them Anakims. And show them Anakims what God can do. I don't care if you're 20 foot tall. You know how big God is? He's bigger than a giant. He's bigger than a cedar tree. He's bigger than a mountain. He's bigger than earth. He's bigger than the sun. He's bigger than the solar system. Talk about big. You don't know what big is. Let me show you some big. The Lord's with me. I'm going to drive them out. Just like the Lord said. And Joshua said. Bless you. Faith brother. We knew this day was coming. Bless you. I bless you. He's the leader of the people. I bless you in the name of Jehovah, the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. And this mountain is given to you today. This is your mountain. Brother, go get your mountain. Hallelujah. And if you read to the rest of the chapter, that's exactly what he did. They took that whole thing. And it goes on to tell you, to this day, it's his. People will tell you, if you were in my circumstances, you wouldn't be telling me to cheer up. You would be telling me to rejoice. You don't know what I've been through. They're wrong. I said they're wrong. It doesn't matter what's around you. It never has to get in you. It's completely up to us. And if there is trouble all around, if there are giants, if there are walled cities, we need the strength of God. We're going to have to have it. And if it is going to take a while, we need the strength of God to sustain us through the years, through the unbelief around us, past the giants to our mountain. And there's only one thing that will sustain you through all this. 
You can't cry. Can't afford it. Can't feel sorry for yourself. Can't afford it. Come on, are y'all with me? If you want to make it, you cannot afford it. What do you got to do? You got to look up. You got to tune out all this stuff around you. You got to talk about how Jesus took your infirmities, bore your sicknesses, carried your pains, how with long life he's going to satisfy me and show me his salvation. I'm going to run my entire race and finish my course. How? The Bible said with joy, which is the same thing as saying finish strongly. Oh, can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Somebody say, I choose joy. I choose life. I choose faith. I choose God. I look not at the things that are seen. I consider not all the contradictions all the problems, all the pain. I consider it not. I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Hallelujah. Let me finish reading that scripture that we started on. He said, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, put it on the screen for us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side. Tell me yet what's going on on the inside. Help me out. Yet, is it possible to have trouble all around you but not be distressed on the inside? Well, if you're not distressed, you got peace. It's all around you, but you didn't let it in. We're perplexed. Perplexed means there are things you don't know. There's things you don't understand. But not in despair. My ignorance, my questions, my lack of understanding, it's around me. It's swirling around my head. I refuse to despair over it. Keep going. Verse 9. Persecuted. Do you have to be depressed because you're getting persecuted? No. Why? Why? Well, they left me and they didn't stand up for me and I thought they were my friend. You could have been wrong. Maybe they never were your friend. You just had a goofy idea. Persecuted, but what? I'm not forsaken. The Lord is with me and will never leave me. Why do you feel so all alone? And will you feel wrong? Someone say, I'm not alone. Cast down, but not destroyed. You're not letting it in you. Hallelujah. He said, we have that same spirit of faith according as it is written, verse 13, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.